four, down low to half with a catch. Whips the pass, left corner, another three, up and good. Again, this time by Pritzel. And the lead is 10. The Badgers have swept the Illini here in the 2017-18 season. And they win it here in Champaign, 78-69. It's about continuing to grow uh, with this group. And, and tonight, I think we took a step backwards, uh, which is pretty frustrating. And uh, can't, uh, all you gotta do is look at the assist total uh, for them. And you know that we're, uh, we were, we were very aggressive defensively. Uh, we didn't take them out of, out of much they did. It's time for Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll get you caught up on your Illini sports news along with other area national sports news. Here are Lauren Tate and Michael Kaiser. Good Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us on this cloudy day. A little bit of snow showers falling today, uh, as expected. Maybe a little freezing rain as the day moves along. Hope that holds out. Had a nice afternoon yesterday. Got a busy program for you today. Lovey Smith. Lauren and I got a chance to talk to him for more than 20 minutes in his office yesterday. We'll play and then that. more than 20. Yeah, and then another, then another 20. Uh, we were in his office for quite some time, about an hour yesterday, actually, and uh, it was really good to kind of talk football with Lovey Smith. I uh, don't get a chance to do that very often in an extended setting. We'll play you uh, the 20 minutes that we had on tape. We'll play that, but uh, we, got, we don't have the rest of it on tape. We were just kind of chatting with him after the interview was over. So he straightened me out on a couple of things. He did he? straighten you out. Boy, did he straighten <laughs> you out. I, just, I, I about pulled up a chair. I was standing the whole time, but well, I about – You know what? He knows a lot more about football than I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's get that settled right away. Yeah, he knows a, lo a lot more about football than a lot of us. And I think just to to hear him talk football, not talk you know wins and losses and recruiting, to hear him talk actual football, it's just different than what we normally get to do. And I, it was a really cool experience uh, to be able to kind of we watched a little bit of film with him and uh, just real quickly. But uh, as he was breaking down things for you on a topic you brought up and. Yeah. Uh, so just a great opportunity yesterday. We'll hear from Brad Dancer, his team with a big win last night over California. They got a tough match tonight. Number five, Stanford, is in town at the Atkins Tennis Center. We'll talk to Brad about that. And then at 10 o'clock, Cassie Arner. She's back, an associate athletic director here at the University of Illinois. Got a much longer title than that. Uh, we'll break, have her break that down for you. What's that title mean for her? But uh, a lot of different things we can get to. Tickets went on sale for football this week, other topics as well. Plenty of Illini basketball conversation as the season is winding down uh, for the Illini. They lost to Wisconsin on Thursday night. They play Penn State tomorrow night. Uh, a bad matchup uh, for Illinois, Lauren. Just not a not a good matchup for the Illini. You know, this is a balanced team Penn State has, and they are really strong and athletic, physically strong and athletic, and uh, these are areas that Illinois is weak. Illinois is not balanced, and Illinois is not strong around the basket. So it'll be a tough one. Uh, Penn State came in here last year and really wiped out the Illini in that game, and uh, Illinois is in danger in this one, certainly. Yeah, they got five guys in double figures, do the Nittany Lions, and uh, that's just because of the balanced scoring. You know, Wisconsin, Ethan happened, then guys who just hit threes when they're open because the defenses col collapse. They collapse on Ethan Happ. Uh, Wisconsin doesn't have a lot outside of Ethan Happ in terms of players that really you got to really worry about. Penn State's got five is scoring double figures, and that's something the Illini are going to have to figure out tomorrow They've night. They've lost some games this year, uh, Mike, that they probably re regret deeply because this could have been, could have been an NCAA tournament team. It has the talent to be. They just let some games get away 
late. I don't know what their problem is in the last five to ten minutes of games, but they've had a lot of games where they played extremely well for about 30 minutes or more, and then the games got away. Key there, games that would you know that they need to get over the hump. There are four 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 games in in particular that the Illini left on the table. Um, are you talking about Illinois? Yeah, I'm talking about Penn State. Oh, Penn State. Oh, yeah. Penn State. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm talking about Penn State and their chances of being an NCAA tournament team. They're seven and six in the league, seventeen and nine overall. But there there have been some games that I think that they, as I said, they really regret losing because they, w- they would have put them over the hump. Oh, absolutely, and I think right now their their schedule coming up gets pretty tough. Includes Ohio State, Nebraska, I think Purdue uh, after tomorrow night. Well, that's what they need. They, they need to play good teams and get wins. That's the only chance they got. Yeah, they're not going to get there playing uh, lower division teams no. now because they've lost too many games. They got they got five games left. As you mentioned, they're seven and six. If they can find a way to get four more wins, which I think that's going to be really hard for Penn State to do. Uh, if they can, if the Nittany Lions can do that, uh, I think they're probably an NCAA tournament team with the schedule that they have coming up. Well, we'll take a timeout. We're going to come back. Lovey Smith, we talked about the state of the program. We talked about recruiting the new defensive line coach, Austin Clark. Lauren and I could break that down more in the show. He's 27 years old, just a grad assistant on USC staff, played at Cal with Hardy Nickerson, uh, the son of the defensive coordinator. Uh, he played with him at Cal briefly. They were on the same team. And so we'll talk. We'll hear from Lovey Smith on all those different things. That's coming up next on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Lauren Tate, Michael Kaiser with you. We're with head coach Lovey Smith. Illinois football team just uh, announced another signing class for 2018, another part of the signing class for 2018. Uh, so now you've had two signing periods. Um, how did your staff adjust to that? Uh, I know you've talked about how you really like the early signing period, but how did you guys adjust to having two different dates in a, a short time period? We did. I, I did mention that I liked it. Um, I think when a guy knows where he wants to go to school, uh, I think a guy should be able to pretty much do make that commitment anytime. I would even be in favor. Once you know where you want to go, why put time limits? You know, you want to get married, you can get married anytime, right? So I feel the same way about college athletics, but to have an earlier signing period where players can get it over with and they kind of concentrate on enjoying the rest of their senior year, Christmas and all that. So it helped an awful lot. Uh, by the amount of guys that signed, it said that they were ready to make that commitment then, which allowed us the, the second uh, signing period was a lot less stressful. Um, we could really concentrate on the following year a little bit earlier. Well, um, you have to concentrate that you had a couple coaching vacancies throughout, throughout this process. How difficult was it uh, from that standpoint? I know you had some other st- staff assistants who were not recruiters who went out for you, but to not have the full-time assistants in place, would that add any extra uh, strain? Are you guys trying to get the job done? No, not really. You can have, well, up till, uh, uh, you know, for us this past year, it's a, it's the amount of guys that you can have out. So uh, if you have other, uh, you know, university employees, they can go out in those slots. So we were never really – undermanned anything like that. We let some of our guys in our recruiting office go out and hit some of the areas. So it didn't affect us any at all. Uh, Coach, uh, 
I mentioned Kirkland the other day. Is it a benefit to have a guy like that out in the field when he is your main recruiter anyway? Yeah. I think that'd be a, a positive. It, it really is a positive. Not only James Kirkland, but Pat Hamilton also. Both of them were able to go out at periods of time. I mean, they're up on top of recruiting as much as anybody in our program. So for them to be able to hit certain areas was a boost for us. That's why we weren't really in a big hurry to feel the rest of the staff. It's not like we were coaching our players right then. It was all about the best guys that could help us with recruiting efforts. Uh, is your recruiting – I know it's never over, but um, – are you? Do you have several other options now? I mean, as you go forward, there there might be graduate uh, players available, that sort of thing. Do you have some openings that you can use that way? Absolutely. You know, just looking at the recruiting rules as a whole, you can have 85 guys on scholarship. We you know we're not really there yet, uh, but for us, you can only sign 27 in any or 25 in any class. But there are other ways. You know, you can use a blue shirt. You know, Lauren, you mentioned the graduate uh, transfers. Uh, athletes that are available right now. So we have options with that. We finish up this phase of our recruiting efforts, but uh, we'll be looking to add a couple of graduate transfer uh, athletes a little bit later on too. Can you count some of those people back? Explain that. Yeah, you can count them forward, not necessarily back. Oh, okay. So whenever we talk about blue shirt and things like that, you can, uh, if, you, if, they, if they're not a recruited player, you can count them towards the 2019 class as, what, as long as your numbers are under 85 total. By the way, what are your numbers right now? I, I, I did a count the other day, and I got, I got over 80. It's a, but fluid, I, Lord, it's a fluid number. Sure. Uh, from eight, we'll, we'll be at somewhere from 80 to 85, maybe 81, 82. Everybody, we have one more player that we're kind of waiting on a little bit, but uh, we still have a couple other possible slots. You've been able to kind of, there have been a lot of roster shakeup, uh, 15 transfers, but you're starting to build the roster of your players and your coaching staff. Uh, how important is that to your program to have a bunch of guys that you and the rest of the staff uh, recruited here? Very important, you know, and I think whenever uh, there's a coaching change, you know, there's a culture change and all of that, just not coaching change, culture change. There's going to be some guys lead the program. Uh, some guys would like to leave. Some players we would like to leave. Uh, so that's, you know, a part of it a little bit. Uh, but for us, there's a certain way we want to do things. There are certain guys that we would like to have doing it. So we have gone through that. Uh, we're close. You know, whenever you can bring in two classes, and so that's over, you know, over 50 new players, you're headed in the right direction. I know that you're not big on uh, recruiting rankings, but this class probably is, is not where you want it to be. Um, but it's, this is your second full class, as you just mentioned. Um, how, how much easier did it get for you uh, in terms of just getting a, a feel for what this program and where you guys want to recruit? First, I'm going to go back to you say it's not where we want it to be. I disagree with that. It's exactly where we want it to be. I don't know exactly where we end up with the so-called rankings. But last year, our first class was a good class. I don't know where it ranked. Fifteen of those guys started. Uh, this class, I think, is just as good, but probably a few more high-profile guys that we had to work for. So we, uh, two years of recruiting, two excellent class we have coming in to really lay a great foundation for what we're going to do going forward. There was some need. There were some need positions a little bit more this year than it was the first year. Quarterback, you know, look at the amount of skill guys we added, especially on the back end, uh, on the defensive side of the football. We're able to fill a lot of those spots. It looks to me like um, you've got a, a core of players in your 
in the freshman class that will be sophomores now that it, it looked to me like you're you're more like filling around them uh, and I, with some really high quality, particularly in the line. I, it looks to me like with Virtus Brown and, and some of the guys you picked up in the line that you've got a real chance to, to move those guys over and maybe not necessarily full-time starters, but kind of working in with the players you already have. Absolutely. And your second year, it should be that way. You know, you try to get what you can the first year, as many good athletes at all positions as possible. Now we've had a chance to see a lot of those players play, to know exactly what direction we need to go. And then you do start plugging in players here and then player, you know, you know, quite around. Let's talk about the spring ball. That's only a month off. And, and uh, what are you, what's your emphasis? Do you have uh, areas of emphasis? It's always the same, Lauren. I mean, for spring ball, you want to. It's about individual improvement. Just keep in mind, we talk about those 15 players that uh, 15 true freshmen that started. They haven't been through spring ball. So we jumped in right away. The base, the, the foundation of fundamentals we haven't gone through. Some of them, like Verdarian Lowe, miss all of uh, training camp. Uh, Nate Hobbs had mono, miss all of training camp. So we get a chance to now start from the base fundamentals with so many players. A lot of young linemen. Uh, you know, before you can really start competing at a certain level, you need to get bigger, stronger, faster. This, all, this period of time right now of players in the weight room, we have 6 a.m. workouts going on, of the players just getting. So all of that is important. And from there, then the basic foundations for our football team. I'm talking about what we're going to do offense, defense, special team. We have a new offensive coordinator. So uh, there's so much that we need to work on as a young group, and that's what we'll start doing in spring ball. And talk about the defensive line. I think you have a new defensive line coach. Have a new defensive line coach. Uh, I guess I probably shouldn't say his name until he actually gets here on campus, but Austin Clark will be our new defensive line coach. Look at a lot of guys, a lot of interest in this, uh, in this position. We interviewed a lot of guys, and um, he came in, and uh, I didn't know a whole lot about him except for by reputation. You know, once it gets out that we're looking for a coach, everybody starts calling and you start doing your research and brought him in. He blew us away on his interview and I'm very excited about him coaching our guys. You know, uh, I would say that that uh, in, in analyzing, you're taking a 27-year-old guy. This is a little bit different than, than you normally have uh, done. Is that fair to say? No, I wouldn't necessarily. This is what we do. Same as players. We look at everybody. We put everybody in a group, and you start talking to them, and then you, you choose the best player. It doesn't matter whether it's a freshman or a fifth-year senior. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a coach with a lot of experience or a player or a coach that's starting out. Uh, normally, those very good coaches are, are good when they're young, and they're going to be good when they get older. So don't re really look at it that way. Best guy, we're pumped up about him coming in. Well, I was just going to, but you have, you're very, you took a high school coach, you took a player from, a coach from Arizona, you've taken, you've kind of, you've, you haven't centered in on one particular way of doing things, have you? No, you, you want variety, uh, diversity with what you're doing. Um, so there, no, there isn't just one type of person that we're looking for. Uh, I don't want guys that, you know, you don't go out to practice, hear me cursing out players and doing all that. But you may hear some choice words from a few of our other coaches. We're not, we want everybody to be the same, not interested in that. We want different personalities. That's what you have on your football team. Guys from different parts of the country, uh, different likes. This is what we want. 
We want to be a melting pot on our coaching staff, just like we want to be a melting pot with our football team. Lovey Smith joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Michael Kaiser, Lauren Tate with you. Coach, um, you, you reference having a variety and different personalities. Uh, you have a lot of NFL experience on the staff, and now you have the, the Corey Patterson from high school and this young guy here. How important is it to have the, all the way from the NFL all the way down to that age level? I think it's very important. Donnie Abraham, we hired last year, was also a high school coach from the IMG Academy. So. I think you start looking at people. All of these guys don't have a background in football. You know, some of them have played and then chose to coach high school ball or college of pros. One thing I think helps when you've been in so many programs like we, like I have, gotten a chance to meet a lot of different people, and there's a lot of different ways of doing things. When I first went to Tampa Bay, Tony Dungy talked about it. He said, half of my staff uh, will be college coaches. Didn't want it to be an NFL group. It's a lot to that. He asked him why. You know, teachers, great teachers in college. And I see the same as we're looking at it. Now take, now we're college, and below us are the high school coaches. They've been mentoring players throughout, uh, teaching them how to be a man. And it's before you can develop the football player, you have to develop the man. So there's a lot of good high school coaches that can do that. A lot of good coaches that can, college coaches can do that. A lot of good NFL coaches that can do that. So we're going to have a variety. Let's go back to the uh, off-season workouts and strength and conditioning. You mentioned the workouts at 6 a.m. Joey Bose is getting these, some of the early enrollees. Um, how important is it for those guys uh, who haven't been here, who are, there's, there's a handful of those guys right now, to get this off-season work, to get those fundamentals in before spring ball starts versus the guys that are going to not be able to be here till the summer? It's critical. You know, it's one thing when – and again, we did it. We played a lot of players, and a lot of them weren't physically developed the way that they willed it. But once you get more strength, you get more confidence, that's the way you start building your program. Joey Bose, uh, Willie Jones, some of the guys down there do an excellent job with, with our players, whether it be through you know, speed, too. It's just not developing strength, how much you bench press it, but it's developing that, that entire body. Uh, they do a great job with that. The players. You talk about getting confidence when you feel yourself getting stronger, getting bigger. So that's what we're doing right now. You know, I think you, you go underground for a while and not let anybody see what you're doing, and then you show them that product a little bit later on. That's what we're doing right now. We're behind the scenes right now, but guys are making improvements. Well, uh, let me talk about the facility. A lot of talk yesterday having uh, the, uh, the meeting with everybody and the $5 million uh, contribution. Uh, uh, what's that mean to you? It means an awful lot. You know, Stu Lev, I think it's done an awful lot for our program. He, he gave a little shout-out to you, too, Lauren. No, I mean, I, he started really I'm, going back telling stories about you. <laughs> and um, and they were telling me how you, you've you been a, one of a, a, a legend softball player around here. Oh, I learned wow. quite a few things about you. <laughs> but uh, when for all of us, there's a we've come through a university, you know, and in Stu's case, uh, you know, he told his story of being earning a scholarship. So proud of what the University of Illinois did for him, and I, I think it's our duty a little bit to give back. You know, my wife Mary and I are Tulsa University graduates, and we try to give back. Everybody should try to do that. But for our team to have one of their own come back and talk to them and 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 make an investment in them, that's what he was saying. So that was huge.
I saw Bobby Walker there. Did you have the walk-ons there just for that purpose we because had, of Stu? Yes, we had uh, a few of them that weren't in class, the ones that could come. We had Chase McLaughlin, who earned a scholarship there. We had Bobby Walker, who earned a scholarship. And we have a couple others. We've given, in two years, we've given out four scholarships to walk-on players here. I think it says an awful lot. We want to get our walk-on program up, the numbers, and guys have an opportunity to uh, – to earn that scholarship. We had some preferred walk-ons that chose, that gave up scholarships at other places to come and walk on at our program this coming year, so we're proud of that. You, you mentioned um, the how much this performance center means to you, but in your conversations with the recruits, you know, this is probably kind of conversations that you've been here, but now ground's moving over there. You could tell them that it's moving, you know, it's not just a conversation, it's not just in design phase, it's actually moving along. What, did the, what, what do recruits say to you when you actually tell them that it's construction is underway right now? It's one thing to, to talk about the picture. Anybody can do a picture. See the pictures? Yeah. Guys, look at the pictures we have right here. But it's one thing that when you go out there, it's, not, it's just not talk about it now. We actually take them to the construction site. You know, there's a full-fledged construction site going on out there right now. And guys know there's a date, you know, of course, a, con, uh, a completion date. And it's something that we need. I mean, as we you look in the Big Ten, just about every Big Ten team, I think, except we're the last one, has a new facility. So now we're going to, it's going to put us back. The level, you know, we've leveled that playing field quite a bit. And that, that was the only thing I thought we were missing here at the University of Illinois was to get updated facilities, and now we'll have that. You know, um, everybody talks about the Eastern Division being so much stronger. I noticed Nebraska's coming on pretty hard with uh, Scott Frost, had a great recruiting year, and uh, Wisconsin uh, strong again, and Iowa's won a whole bunch of games, 30-some games over the last few years. I mean, it's uh, the league is, is not waiting around for you, Coach. No, no, it isn't, and that's why as we talk about you have to stay up there. Everybody else has great facilities. We have that. Now it's a competing on the football field part. Uh, as I look at us competing on the football, we didn't win enough games last year. Yeah, South Florida was better than us when we played them. Ohio State was better than us. We had three red zone turnovers down here against uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Minnesota uh, scored late to beat us. Purdue scored late. We're in it with, and then all those other games, we're in it. We're close. You're right, it's a tough division, Big Ten in general. But at the same time, I think you can come from here to there quickly, too. Talk about the quarterbacks. This is my last question for you, the quarterbacks. And I want to know, I, I'm really excited about M.J. Rivers. I have been since I saw what he did in the playoffs in Texas. And I don't understand why he didn't rank more highly. It looked to me like he's a top prospect, and you got three of them coming. Well, Lawrence, you talked about, okay, where we're ranked. We think that M.J. Rivers, you know, James Kirkland, uh, one of the first guys that came on board a year ago with, uh, with M.J. Rivers, hey, hey, Love it. There's this guy down in Texas, I think, is an outstanding player. It's going to be hard to get him because everybody's going to recruit him. But take a look at him. So we did. Loved him then. Uh, MJ Rivers is an excellent football player uh, that's got a great future ahead of him. But I am going to say that about Karan Taylor, too. We've seen him move the ball up and down the field quite a bit. You know, Matt Robinson, going to say the same thing about him. Cam Thomas did a few things. But once you get your program where you want it to be, you want to, you should have great competition at every position, and that's what we've created here. Lovey, the um, I know MJ Rivers. I talked to James about MJ Rivers before, and his dad is a big fan of yours. Um, 
do you even think about that? That just in your name and your name, what you know, what cachet that carries when you go to recruiting? Well, I, I hope. Do you think about it well, we're any way that we can we can have an advantage recruiting, we're going to use that. Uh, but I think nowadays, uh, everything that you've done is is a, a little touch away. You know, you can find out any information you want on anyone, and uh, I take pride in trying to have a certain type of relate uh, reputation how we do things, uh, how we run our program. I want parents, and, and especially you mentioned, you know, Marcellus, a guy that's been in football all his life, for him to entrust us with uh, helping, you know, grow his son means an awful lot. But I feel comfortable and confident of, of my, one of my sons being coached by the staff that we have here have an excellent staff. So that means quite a bit. And uh, hopefully, you know, uh, we can just continue to, to get those type of uh, guys responding to us. You've coached in, in two Super Bowls. Uh, does that come up in conversation with the recruits very often, and especially with the Super Bowl just, that just happened? We all have a history. And if you're a football uh, fan and you, you talk about that history, it's tough getting to the Super Bowl, you know. It's tough winning games in junior high, high school, NFL, wherever you are. So we're proud of that, you know. So do I uh, take it off of my resume that I led my team to a Super Bowl? I had the fortunate uh, – I was fortunate enough to lead my team to the Super Bowl? Yes. Uh, do I bring up that uh, I was blessed enough to have been around uh, Hall of Famers on a daily basis and, and the University of Illinois will not be practicing on the day that Brian Erlacher goes into the Hall of Fame this coming uh, summer. Absolutely, we bring that up. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Brian Urlacher, uh, what was your conversation like with him? Obviously, it's a private conversation, I'm sure, but what was that like with him right after he found out? You know, I, then first off, we didn't have to really have that much of a conversation to know. You know, when you start off as a kid, uh, it's not, hey, I want to be a Hall of Famer. But when you start playing and you see that you're better than most people in everything that you do, that's where you belong. So for most of us that know, that knew, that know Brian Erlacher, it was just kind of formality. But when that, you get that call, though, it's pretty special to wear that, to wear that jacket. You know, it was special for Tony Dungy, who I had a chance to be around, of course, and, and on his first staff. I take pride in that. Uh, it, it meant a lot to Derek Brooks, first-time Hall of Famer. Aeneas Williams, so been blessed to be around a lot of guys and I think that helps us in our that's helping me be a better coach for the University of Illinois to know what a player looked like at certain stages of his career and to get our players to dream big like all these players did. Final thing for you the we mentioned Austin Clark's going to be the new D-line coach uh, when do you have a timeline of the, of the other vacancy on the staff? Yes we're going to we're going to feel that soon how's that <laughs> gives you a little bit of give us a little bit of leeway um we're interviewing guys right now. Uh, we should have make be making an announcement fairly soon with that too. And uh, Mike Fair, uh, have you had conversations with him? Uh, and it was kind of a shocking situation to him, I'm sure, and uh, what was unexpected. First off, these guys were talking about Mike Fair. I coached Mike Fair in college, so mm -hmm. we have lifetime relationships. Whether they're on my staff or or Brian being somewhere, or Lance Briggs, or some of these guys. Uh, so I have talked to Mike and. Uh, First off, Mike's a good football coach, and the Indianapolis coach signed Mike Fair to a contract. So he, he will be coaching for them some kind of way. And I know it's an exciting time for them to see who their new uh, 
head coach would be. Chris Ballard is a guy that's been in our, you know, work with him a few different spots. Him being the GM there, he'll do a great job and get a, another good coach in there. And in Annapolis, uh, we'll be on our way back up to the top. Lovey Smith, thank you. Thank you. Good conversation with Lovey Smith uh, that Laura and I were able to have. Uh, we'll talk uh, more about that conversation, including the defensive line coach, Austin Clark, just 27 years old. Uh, we'll talk about whether that's a, a good move or not. Uh, Lovey Smith broke down just having a wide variety of personalities from the NFL all the way down to you know, Corey Patterson was a high school coach. Donnie Abraham was a high school coach last year. So Lovey's kind of NFL guys and younger guys. We'll break that down coming up later in the program, including more basketball. Well, coming up next, we'll switch over to Illini men's tennis. They won last night over California, ranked 23rd in the country. The men's tennis team ranked 10th here at Illinois. They played number five Stanford tonight. Big matchup. Brad Dancer joins us next here on DWS. Well, welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser alongside Lauren Tate coming up on 935. Switching over to Illini Men's Tennis. Brad Dancer, the head coach of the program, joins us. Brad, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. And you get the a big win last night over number twenty three California four to nothing ahead of tonight's big match. Uh, really a good confidence booster after the tough loss uh, last weekend. Yeah, you never know how you're. You know that was our first loss of the year. You're not sure how the team's going to bounce back from that. And you know, of course, uh, around here this week we had the flu bug kicking around through the oh, team. Great. So obviously, you know, a little, a little concerned about where we were going to be energy wise and, and just you know preparedness. So uh, it was great to get that win last night over a really good Cal team. How quickly did uh, you need to turn things? Uh, your, did you tell the team they need to turn their attention to Stanford? Did you give them kind of the night uh, to kind of relax yeah, yeah. a little bit? And you, you hate to say it, but it really goes immediately. You know, we talked last night, and I know some of the guys got on the court uh, on their own and just working on some things. And we go through today. Uh, you know, we we'll run through some stuff uh, early this afternoon and kind of just put put everything that uh, needs to be in place for you know. You get once you get to match day, there's not obviously a lot left to do. Just a couple of little cleanups here and there, and then get ready for obviously uh you know their biggest home match so far this year well brad this is lauren i i would uh, you had a good crowd last night and and i thought a terrific performance i was struck by the uh emergence of alex brown the big the six five left-hander freshman out of what urbandale iowa is that possible you got a player out Thank of you. iowa and he, we, boy has he got to <laughs> serve tell me about that service he's got He's, he's got a great serve. You know, it's funny. He, he really has not served that well this season so far, and I felt like it's interesting to see that. That was probably the highlight of last night's match. I felt like his serve finally started clicking, and we know what he's capable of. You know, he's kind of like a he's, – he's our next Ryan Rowe, and, and Ryan Rowe is obviously a two-time All-American and NCAA champion here. So that's a big, big pressure to put on him, but I think Alex is a, is a young man that, that sort of sees himself uh, in those elite shoes and, and wants to be a part of that. So it was a great night for him last night. Is there an advantage to being a left-hander, or does it matter? No question. I, mean, I had a guy, one of our managers, about 10 years ago, run some statistics on uh, you know the level of play and so forth. And, and ATP tennis at the highest level, there's more left-handers <clears throat> than there are in the normal tennis ranks. So I think as you, as you, as you reach the highest level, it's just a different spin. You know, lefties seem to be able to create angles that, that maybe some of the right-handers can't uh, adjust to that well. So it can be a, a bit, very big advantage, no question. Well, let's get around to the two guys that are your one-two guys and the veterans on your team, Alex Vukic. Now, where does he stack, stack up nationally, and where does Hilsig stack up nationally? 
Yeah, I, to be honest, I think they're two of the best best players in the country. Obviously, we're spoiled having them on our own squad. Vukic has, has kind of proven that over a number of years straight now. Um, and then Aaron is, you know, Aaron has had some, some great matches over the last 12 months, and I think he's focused a little bit too much on maybe some of his not-so-great matches. But uh, this will be a statement match for him tonight. He's going to play a great player no matter what. And uh, it'll be interesting to see just kind of how, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready for Aaron to have a big moment, and hoping tonight is, is maybe that night for him. I ask about rankings. Is there such a thing? I mean, do you have individual rankings at this point that would tell us where they stand? Yeah, we we do. The ironic thing is, is you know, Vukic is playing spoiler right now because he only played professional events in the fall. He didn't play any college events. So he came in as a last week he was unranked, and then he beat Blumberg, who was number two. So I think he moved up to 40. And, um, you know, he's it'll be very soon that he'll be in the top ten, probably top five. And, and uh, I think he's proven over a number of years he's one of the best players. And Aaron uh, took a few losses in college this fall that will affect his, his seasonal ranking. But at the same time, he's moved up to – I think 50 or 60, and, and he can easily work himself in the top 20 as well if he keeps things going well. It looks to me like he's hitting the ball harder than, he, than I remember him a couple of years ago. I mean, I, 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 he just looks more mature. Is that is that a fair statement? No question. I think he's serving bigger. His forehand's bigger. Um, you know, I think it just – he's he's playing great. He's hitting the shots great. And I think when he's just – you know, you always – you know, it's funny to watch uh, – basketball team the other night and just Trent's got that flow going right now you yeah. just kind of see he's just in the game and playing with it and, and Aaron that's usually what he does best and maybe he's just overthinking things a little bit right now and so we know that you know we're trying to stay out of his way and not coach him too much because we got a lot of belief in his ability so when he gets that flow going like you said Lauren he's hitting the ball bigger he's hitting it better and so I'm excited he's going to have that breakout win here soon and it's going to really help our season. Illini men's tennis coach Brad Dancer joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Well, Coach, a, a tough schedule to start this season. Uh, this is obviously by design. Uh, is there any kind of intimidation factor for your team at all to play this such t- co- tough competition so early in the season? I don't think so. You know, I always talk to all the coaches. To me, you, you want to play the Power 5 schools. And, and, you know, we schedule a couple years out in advance. So we don't always know what it's going to look like. True. But, you know, we got a pretty good idea that, Duke and Carolina and Stanford and Cal and, you know, Virginia, TCU, these teams are going to play. They're going to be top 10, top 15 teams every year. So I think when we recruit guys, we tell them, hey, if you want to if you want to get some easy ones at the beginning of the year, then, then we're not the school to come to. We're going to jump into our schedule. We're going to go after it. And that's all we're going to play all year long. And so these guys want these moments. They want to be in these moments. And that's what I love about this team. No one's kind of, you know, shying away or backing down from, from playing these matches. We've given everybody everything we got. He lost to Cal last year uh, out there, and so to get the the revenge victory was that was that a focus at all going into yesterday to try to avenge last year? Not at all. You know, we joked about it with the coaches and stuff. Uh, you know, after the, after the match because he, Peter's a great coach and, and does a great job. Cal has payback for last year, but I, we don't even talk about all of the players. You know, every, every year there's a little bit of a new team, and we're just focused on our guys and what they need to do to play well. And so um, we, we joke about that as coaches, but really there's no truth whatsoever in okay. preparation. Brad, is there, is there something uh, about a feeling on, on a team when you know you can compete against the number one or number two or number three team in the country? I mean, is, uh, do you have that feeling this year that this is, this is ready, that you're ready to at least take them on? I mean, you know, you lost to uh, what uh, you lost to, uh, four to three in a really tight match to Carolina. Uh, and, uh, and what, what's Carolina ranked? I mean, they're in top ten, aren't they? I think Carolina's three right now, and, yeah. and they've deserved it. They they went out and they beat a bunch of good teams so far. So, 
Um, I think we felt that going in this year that, that there's no reason that we should be blown out by anybody. If we are, then that's poor, poor preparation by the coaches and we just didn't get it done, didn't get the team ready. So um, having said that, watch Stanford, you know, another blow out of building tonight or something. But uh, I don't think so. I, we, we can play with anybody one through six. Uh, to be honest, seven and eight. We, we, we've got guys uh, sitting on our bench, I think, can come in and play with anybody in the country. So we shouldn't be intimidated. We should feel like we're ready to go. And um, and then obviously you got to go out and perform in the matches. But uh, I don't know. I feel good about almost every team in the country that we stack up against. I'll ask you the the burning question: Have you solved your doubles problems? <laughs> I see you're coming out of there one to nothing ahead, and that really helps, doesn't it? We don't know what to do, Lawrence. We don't know what to do when we're at one one zero. So um, we're we're getting better. You know, it's funny. I, I, we we put some things in last year, and uh, even though we weren't successful. I told the guys this year that uh, I think some of the success we're having right now are, is, is due to some of the stuff we did last year. And so I think we can keep that going. We're going we're gonna to keep this double thing going for the next few years here and, and really, you know, capitalize on, uh, on just some different play and different things that we're doing. So I think a big credit of that goes to, to associate coach Marco Sase. He was instrumental in getting those, some of those things implemented. So um, we're getting there. I, we're not there yet, but we're getting there. And last night was – great to see this is one of the first times i've seen us sort of really pounce on another team and 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 be ready to go from the beginning all the way through so i was pleased with the doubles last night it's obviously very early on in the season of four and one so far but what were your expectations going into this season and what are the expectations here as this team's off to such a good start yeah i think twofold it's almost the same thing every year i always feel like we've got enough good players that we you know we should be shooting for a big 10 championship we should be you know, talking about a national championship, uh, you know, that's, that's what people come to Illinois for. And I think there's no reason for us not to think about that. At the same time, you know, every year as coaches, we look around and look at the beginning of our schedule. and like, man, if we don't, if we don't get things cleaned up, <laughs> we could be 0-6 in a heartbeat. So um, I, I think just, you know, we really focus one match at a time. I know it sounds really cliche and so forth, but we had a big match last night and we've got another big match tonight and we leave Wednesday to go out to, uh, Seattle for the final 16 of the of the indoor championship so we're going to have you know a bunch of big matches out there as well and I think for our guys it's just really the excitement of playing in those matches and and having hopefully another great crowd uh there tonight for Stanford that's what I was going to say uh Brad uh, there's uh no Illini men's basketball game tonight there's no women's basketball game you're the pretty much the only show in town tonight six o'clock it's indoors uh fans don't have much of a reason to stay home tonight but maybe the weather might be a little bit interesting but it shouldn't be too bad you know, I think I think the weather, hopefully it looks like now, is finally going to cooperate, and uh, it's it's going to be a big night. I think anyone that, that you know, if you've never if you've never seen a tennis match before, this is definitely a night to come. We're going to have a great crowd. The building's going to be electric, and again, we always say this, but uh, you can you can make as much noise as you want in a college tennis match, and you can cheer just like at the basketball game. So it gets fun, and and we've got terrible acoustics or great acoustics already in there, so it gets. <laughs> It gets really loud, and it's fun. It's fun for our guys, and it's tough for opposing teams. And, and we certainly want to make that uh, environment as as uh, friendly, hostile as we can tonight. So. Well, Brad, good luck tonight uh, against number five Stanford, and uh, good win last night. And we'll we'll be watching. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, Brad. Yep. That's Illini men's tennis coach Brad Dancer. It's uh, in, they're ranked tenth in the country, but Stanford's ranked fifth, and it'll be a tough match. But it, it should be an electric well, if you, atmosphere. If they win uh, two matches this weekend, they'll oh, move up. Oh, I mean, obviously, and yeah. the only thing that knocks them down is losing to number three Carolina. Yeah, no, not by much either. That was a tough match. Oh, though. it was. It went right to the final uh, yeah. final event. Four to three. They, they yeah. lost last week to to North Carolina. Very easily could be undefeated. 
here on the season. Well, join us on the program today, 356-9397, Texas on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. Coming up at 10 o'clock, Associate Athletic Director Cassie Arner is going to join us here in studio in charge of marketing and many other things, kind of break that down with her. And later on in the program, more Illini men's basketball conversation, another difficult loss the other night to Wisconsin. Penn State is in town tomorrow before the Illini travel to Indiana in the middle of the week. Stay with us. This is Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. It's about continuing to grow uh, with this group, and, and tonight I think we took a step backwards, uh, which is pretty frustrating. And uh, I can't uh, – all you got to do is look at the assist total uh, for them, and you know that we're, uh, we, weren't, we weren't very aggressive defensively. Uh, we didn't take them out of out of much they did, and and uh, and then as uh, you take Trent, who was spectacular. Um, I hate running offense like that. It's not who I am. It's not what I want to be. Uh, but uh, you know, when you're two for thirteen from from the other spots, uh, kind of got to ride the ride the hot hand, so to speak. <laughs> Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser alongside Lauren Tate. Uh, Brad Underwood on his team's performance the other night taking a step back. Lost to the Badgers 78-69. to They play the Penn State Nittany Lions on Sunday night at 6 o'clock here at State Farm Center. And, uh, Brad, uh, Lauren, you could just hear Brad, just the, the disappointment there that he thought they were making progress the last few games, but uh, said took a step back the other night. I think Ethan Happ just took them right out of their game. Mm-hmm. I, I've never... I don't recall many big guys that have done so much in terms of setting up their teammates as well as scoring himself. He was responsible. Think about this. He was responsible for 48 of their 78 points, mm-hmm. either p- scoring or passing, setting up. And, and he set up people with wide open threes in the corner there that, you know, anybody could make almost. And, and uh, so I, I just think that uh, th- th- they didn't have a plan. The plan originally when they went to Wisconsin was to double team him. The plan in this case was to start Kipper Nichols on him and try to play him one-on-one and not let, let everybody else get open. And neither one worked. <laughs> they, they, no. just, they just couldn't control him. And he's a heck of a player. He's a junior. Did you, my question for you is, does he, he have an NBA future? Because he oh. can he do in the NBA what he's doing for Wisconsin? The NBA game is uh, not a back to the basket type game right now. It just it's a lot. I, that's of, what I think. A lot of shooting. But and he can, players he, he can he can dribble. I mean he can move around. His foot movement is the best in the Big Ten. He's got the best feet in the Big Ten. And he can and he it's a great passer. Uh, teams double play, teams double team him. He kicks it out for guys that are wide open. He does that on a regular basis. And uh, he's I don't know if it translates though. I, I just he's going to have to get a fifteen foot jumper and. He doesn't shoot it very often, so I don't know if he can. He doesn't at least against oh, it. He's a terrible free thrower, so he oh, doesn't yeah. have a 15-foot shot that's consistent. <laughs> that's 15 feet from the basket there. Uh, yeah, it's ama- isn't it amazing. He's got so many talents, and yet he, th- for several years now, he's been a very average free thrower. Yeah, wish they could have kept him in and state. And he, he draws a lot of fouls, so let's see. what He was uh, in this game, he was three out of five, which isn't horrible, but 60% won't do it for you in, in, in free throwing, in, in particularly at the NBA level. I don't know. My question to you is, will he be back? Will he return to Wisconsin next season? I think he will, but I will also tell you that I think he's a, a top five player uh, in the conference. I think he should be in the – Oh, in the, yeah. Uh, all, yeah. Well, you say, oh, yeah, but he had, nobody's picking him. 
you know, I mean, we're seeing uh, these all-star teams being picked by people who know a lot more about it than I do, and they're not picking half, and I don't understand it. They're picking both cars, uh, both Edwards boys from from Purdue, and mm -hmm. I don't think that the other, the the, the bigger of the two uh, Edwards boys, I don't think that he's as good as half. Well, and then the Isaac Haas gets a lot of attention at Purdue as well. I mean, they're winning a lot of games, and yeah. that's why he's they're balanced. Wisconsin isn't winning games, and unfortunately, great players on bad teams like Wisconsin is don't get very many awards. That's just well, the nature of the. Uh, it's you'd get mine. Yeah, <laughs> they would get mine too. I, I don't agree with that. Like, if you're the best player in the in the Big Ten and your team isn't winning any games, what's it matter? If you have nobody around you, you're not going to win games. And he really doesn't. He's got guys who can. You know, Pritzel's had some off nights, and they're, these guys aren't consistent yeah, except Pr when they play Illinois. Pritzel's comes in over now. I've, I, I've, I know. Uh, was it over nine or over eleven? Yeah, I can't remember. Like that. And then he makes everything against Illinois. And he wasn't very good before the game in Madison. It, I know. It. It, it, I don't know what it is about Illinois. They cure some ales for these guys. <laughs> uh, here's Brad Underwood, Brad Underwood the other night uh, on Ethan Happ and what he did to the Illini. A really, really good player. Uh, pretty much just having his way uh, with us. Um, He's a problem. We don't have a lot of size, um, and it forces you to uh, have figure, kind of pick your poison. And um, you know, we doubled him early at their place. He sprayed it around, and uh, they made a boatload of threes. And um, they averaged six threes a game, made threes a game. And um, you know, we said tonight that we were going to try to choke those guys off a little bit, which I thought we did uh, early. A lot of backdoor layups in Madison that didn't happen as That's much right. here. Uh, so they fixed that, but then guys were hitting wide-open threes and after they double-teamed half. And down the stretch when Illinois got it to four a couple different times, just back-breaker three-pointers to, to put that game away. Yep. And uh, Trent Frazier did everything he could, but he could not uh, get it done. Well, let's take a timeout. Uh, come up, Cassie Arner in studio with us here. Comfort to the News Gazette Media here downtown Champaign. She joins us. That's coming up next here on DWS. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Michael Kaiser, Lauren Tate with you. Moving into the second hour on 10 o'clock here today. Joining us now, Cassie Arner, Associate Athletic Director at the University of Illinois, Director of Marketing, Fan Development, Fan Development and Strategic Communications, following more than six years on the staff at Auburn. Welcome back, Cassie. Uh, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, I'm I'm pumped to be in the studio. It looks so nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's we really enjoy it. Uh, it's a really nice, comforting place. The lighting's really good. Uh, that's a, a really long title. I'm sure when people ask you what your title is, I'm sure you don't give that whole thing out. That's way too long. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't need that long of a title. <laughs> um, what it means is I'm trying to get fans engaged in Illinois athletics in any way possible, whether it's through creative services, uh, the way we communicate, or good old-fashioned traditional marketing and, and advertising. Well, you left us to go to Houston uh, for a short period and then yeah. Auburn. Uh, what was the SEC like? Uh, just the, it's different down there. You can just you can see on TV, obviously. It is. It, it was a great experience. Um, you know, it was obviously a lot closer to home for me, so there were some great personal reasons mm -hmm. for being there. But, you know, Auburn is a very special place. I think what I learned most from that is that – Athletics, while it is a great uh, engagement tool to bring fans back to campus, the love for the campus needs to be there, too, the love for the university. And that's what the University of Illinois has always had is we have very engaged and um, 
and great fans and alumni and, and many of them. And we just need to help bring them back and help them, you know, reignite that passion and that, that love for Illinois that they had when they were on campus as students. Now, you got uh, ticket sales going in football already? We do. We, we launched that on signing day. You know, it's one of the most exciting days of the year for football. So why not um, have people also sign their letter of intent What are the deals? Back? What are the deals you're offering? The deal, I mean, it's very affordable. You've got lots of opportunities to get back. So season tickets, uh, $299 in your, your main areas. It goes as low as $99 for a mobile pass, which doesn't guarantee you a specific seat. It can bounce around from game to game. Um, Does that but include if you, the end zone? or is that It can include upper decks, end zone, sometimes even lower areas, depending on what's available. But you available. can get a, all, all no, 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 six we got games. a game in Chicago, so Correct. we're six not counting that, are we? At home, Count no. six, six games for 99 bucks. For $99. But you yeah. don't know your seat until... You, you'll know your seat the week of the game. So a lot of that will depend on what's available. So, yeah, you're taking a chance. Mm -hmm. You don't know exactly exactly where you are but if you're a family of four and this is a great opportunity to purchase something and know that you you're in the stadium um, and and right now people who renew or purchase new their season tickets we have uh, an exclusive offer of the soldier field game for $49 okay um, horseshoe horseshoe 119 119 for the horseshoe okay for the horseshoe. you got this memorized I do I'm <laughs> Actually, so I'm, a little proud I'm trying of myself to figure out which is right a better deal, the 99 or the one. I mean, the worst thing's going to happen is you're going to wind up in the horseshoe if, if you buy the 99. That's correct. Yeah. So it's it's. Are you comfortable with guaranteed knowledge of your seat versus maybe trying out some different things around the area? Okay. And and as far as the game in Chicago is concerned, now, how uh, how does that work financially? And and in terms of you got South Florida coming in, and uh, what's the deal for them? I mean, why are we playing them up there, I guess, is the first question. Well, the reason we want to play in Chicago is obviously we've got a large part of our alumni base up in Chicago, and we want to engage them as often as possible in an area where where they are. Uh, we obviously want them to come back, but this also shows that we're we're committed to the Chicago area and all the alums we have up there. Um, it's obviously a great recruiting tool as well. We can get a lot of people... Um, coming out, not just prospective student-athletes for football, but other sports and, and students in general. So, I mean, Chicago is our town. You know, if you look at any of our analytics on who's coming to our website, um, you know, who's purchasing, who, who, our, who our donors are, it, it's a lot of the Chicago area. Um, but sometimes it's hard to make the two-hour drive south, so let's go to them. Okay. Cassie Arner, Associate Athletic Director here at the University of Illinois, just recently returned. Uh, Cassie, when you were here, uh, Josh Whitman was a player. He was. Uh, Ron Turner was head coach at that time. What is he like, and, and uh, is, is he part of the reason you came back? Uh, I'm not going to say 100% yeah. of the reason, but pretty close. Um, I mean, I've missed this place. This mm. 13 years here stays with you. You know, there's – even being away, I was not it, – it was – I was still following it extremely closely. Mm -hmm. But, yes, Josh – when he was hired, when he was announced, I was genuinely envious of those people that got to work with him. Um, because of who he is, uh, his leadership, I, I knew he was going to be a strong leader. Because he's got integrity, uh, because he's very confident in what he knows is right and the right way to do things. Um, you saw that as a 18, 19-year-old, <laughs> which is crazy to say, but we would joke around with him when he came back to get his law degree that, 
we told him he'd be running the place one day. And as <laughs> humble as he is, he, he laughed it off. But um, we knew that it was just going to be a matter of time and when the right opportunity um, would be for that to happen. And he's, he's just, he believes in people. He's, he's going to get the resources for the people, but he knows that if he's got people that are truly passionate about making this place great and um, will do everything in their power uh, to help the student-athletes, help our fans, help our coaches and, and everything grow, um, that he, he'll empower us to do that. You know, you have to really believe in order to – when you're not winning games and here he just got a $5 million uh, contribution from Stu Levenick and – I just think if, if you didn't have a, a, a deep belief with all the setbacks that, that the Illini have had on the field in the, in the major sports, not in the minor sports, but in the, in the three major sports, women's basketball being the third, that if you didn't have a strong belief system, you couldn't hold up and you couldn't go out and ask for the kind of money that he is. No, you can't. And um, Stu Levnick made a comment. It wasn't actually during the press conference, but off camera he said, it's so easy to give when you're winning. It yes. is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's it's true. easy to get people to buy in, but that's not when you need people. Mm-hmm. You need people now, and that's not just in a in a donor relations setting. But um, you asked about the SEC. When you bring recruits into Jordan Hare Stadium at Auburn, they feel the energy. Mm-hmm. So, even if we're not winning right now, if our fans want us to be able to bring in the caliber of athletes we need to win Big Ten and national titles. They've got to feel that energy the minute they walk into Memorial Stadium. So, yeah, we're asking – Josh had to believe in it for him to come here. I absolutely believe in it for me to come back here. Um, so fans have to believe in it too because they are so much a part of the solution. They, they, they probably factor into it more than maybe they believe. You were here for the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. How important is it – you know, I've asked Josh about this – to have an athletic director – who was here when it wasn't good and then was here when it got good. And he left shortly before the Sugar Bowl. Unfortunately, for, it would be great if he could have been here for that. Um, but he, they won some games. They won the, mm-hmm. the 99 Bowl game, the Micron PC.com Bowl, 63-21. <laughs> I think that's the score. It was a fun game. Yeah, it was, it a, was great a great game. game. Yeah. For, um, but to have him go through that, the not winning games for in the first part of his career, and, and I believe they went winless in, in, his, mm-hmm. in one year when he was here, to now be year, yeah. yeah to be here and this he knows the patience that it takes and fans don't like to hear patience but if he's been through it and he's going to be patient yeah, we try not to say that word because it does it, it can be frustrating sometimes but mm-hmm. yet if, if you know that it can grow and if you think about the players that were on um, the championship team the 01 championship team which Josh was with a lot of those guys um, and had he he played as a true freshman. I know. <laughs> Had he redshirted, he would have been on that team. Um, those guys were not five-star recruits. You know, no. if think about the Kirk Kittners, the Tony Pachos, mm-hmm. the Dave Deals, the Brandon Moores, those guys, Bobby Jackson. I mean, some of those were high caliber. But you can win with a good coaching staff that knows how to go out and find some diamonds in the rough. I remember Tony Pachos. Uh, I don't even know if he was a three-star recruit. I can't remember if stars were a big deal back then. But he was a weightlifter. That that was his call. That was his <laughs> claim to fame. Is he was a high school weight li- on the weightlifting team. But he was six five and three hundred pounds. And they found somebody that they could mold into probably one of the best tackles we've ever had. Um, so 
when you look at recruiting rankings and you and, and, and sometimes people have a tendency to get down because they see like that things like that but if you know that you've got a coaching staff that knows how to develop and knows what talent looks like which I truly believe Lovey Smith knows how to do then this thing can get turned around faster and our atmosphere in the stadium is a, a big factor in how well you play on Saturday. How difficult is it from a marketing standpoint um, to try to get people to buy tickets when the football program's won five games in two years, the basketball team's missed four straight NCAA tournaments, most likely going to be five. We all hope for a Big Ten tournament run. That would be great. Uh, but uh, how difficult is it to sell tickets? And when, like, what do you have to sell? What kind of message do you have to put out there to try to get people to buy tickets? And, and you're battling other things like um, high-definition television and things that even good teams are, are struggling um, to to re-engage fans with. But Lazy boys are pretty comfortable, too. They are, in your own bathroom, <laughs> in your own refrigerator. And, and hopefully I'm not selling people on not no, getting no, tickets. But no. what you don't get is the tradition, mm-hmm. and you don't get the being around your brethren uh, that also feel that same passion. So you almost are selling – the atmosphere, you know, your kids, do you want your kids to have what you had when you came on campus, you know, running around in a tailgate and throwing around the football, listening to a band at Grange Grove, eating hot dogs, eating barbecue, that kind of thing. That's not something you get sitting on your couch. And everybody knows that feeling. There's something that just, it it hits you in your heart. So that is what we're trying to sell. And I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine who works for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was a designer with me at Auburn. And we were talking about um, even them as an NFL team, which you would think would be easy to sell. They're selling atmosphere. A lot of their marketing collateral will have what it looks like to be around the Buccaneers stadium and things like that. Not necessarily big catches, big tackles. Because people want to have fun. They want to be somewhere where they have an enjoyable afternoon. And college football does that for you. What needs to change about the game day atmosphere here? Football or basketball, where does it need to get better to try to make it more fun inside the stadium? The Grange Grove is really good. Like uh, when, it, when the fans are there and it's packed, it's a great thing. But in the stadium, what needs to change to make that a better environment, a better atmosphere? You know, technology is really helping. Yeah, I mean, that obviously does help. Technology is a big driver in a lot of things, not just, um, you know, what do you have in apps and and Wi-Fi, although that really does help. But, you know, video boards are a great way to engage the fans. We've got a a nice, good quality video board, music, band, those types of things. And and I I don't necessarily think things aren't uh, where they need to be right now. When fans are in the stadium, mm-hmm. that all feels a lot better. The hot dogs taste better. All that stuff feels better when you're winning and you have a great atmosphere. But but we can get there. We're not that far off. We really aren't. Um, so, you know, the students, students bring a great level yeah. of energy. And I've, I've been talking to a lot of student groups about um, I, I want them to know that we don't want them to just come because it's about buying a ticket. We come because you are part of it. You know, you can be a part of, of, that, of that winning. Do you remember when we – uh, in 07 when we went to the Rose Bowl when we were winning the players the first thing they did when mm-hmm. the game was over is they ran up those steps to the student section because they knew it was it was those guys after the wins after the wins <laughs> but we had a lot of those that yes, season sir. but yep. they thanked the students because that energy can really bring an extra level uh, to their play Cassie, uh, I think everybody, a lot of people in town know uh, Kent Brown, the sports information director, and 
and Marty Kaufman's in marketing. How mm-hmm. do you relate to them? I mean, what? How does your job relate to them? Well, you, I mean, you originally had Kent's job. Well, Kent was my boss. Well, okay, yeah. but you had football. I had football, yeah. Um, you know, Kent was great when he came back from Kansas State. He saw that Coach Turner and I had a pretty good working relationship, and um, sometimes you don't want to interrupt those types of relationships because of you know football coaches need to feel comfortable with who's who's dealing with them every day. So, how many women represent football? In right that now, capacity, um, there's probably roughly, a dozen or so around the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it any more difficult for you uh, getting in for the locker room? Does that get in the way or anything get in the way of, of a woman doing this? It never did for me. There are certain things that obviously you want to do. It, you know, I would go in the locker room after the game was over, listen to what the coaches were going to, uh, you know, the tone they were going to set in their post game speech, and then I'd I'd hightail it out of there before anyone started changing. You know, you always want to have maybe somebody, uh, Derek Neal. Um, and Ben Taylor were great for me. They would stay in and, and talk to the players and let them know what we needed them to do and you know get them comfortable with their postgame duties. Um, and I would just, you know, I, I, I try to make sure I put myself in positions where I felt very comfortable. But every coaching staff I've worked with, both Turner, Zook, and even um, Coach Sumlin when I was at Houston, never made it an issue that I was a female. They treated me, I, I believe, as they would have treated any male counterpart um, I do think women bring a different aspect to public relations. You know, there are things we pay attention to. We're a little more nurturing. Yeah. Um, maybe we can explain things in a different way to coaches so they understand the public perception of things. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to make sure that uh, the coaches look nice on camera. Sometimes <laughs> men aren't thinking about ties being messed up and hair disheveled and, you know, after a win in the the water buckets thrown never on never bothered Belichick. <laughs> no, no. God, um, those cut-off sweatshirts. <laughs> awful. Yeah. So, I mean, we can bring a different perspective to the job. Um, you know, I, I have I have always felt, you know, prior to being a mother myself, that the athletes were my children. You know, I wanted to treat them as I would have treated any of my kids, you know, try to teach them the life lessons and um, – get them to understand that the things they were doing in college, especially related to how they presented themselves to the media and to the public, um, those were life lessons. And if you do those well, there's great opportunities for you and jobs and TV. You know, I didn't really have to teach Jay Lehman much, but Jay's had a pretty good uh, well, career on television. Fact, we've had a lot of uh, Illinois graduates that have done it. You know, we've got Dion, you got mm-hmm. Bardo, you got... Gill, you got down out of town here. We've got Harper. You got uh, J- Eddie Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, around the country, Illinois uh, products are, are, are involved in media uh, tremendously. And I hope that goes to show the you know that they're getting a great education here. They present themselves well. Um, they know how to handle themselves. They 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 bring good perspective. Cassie Arner joining us here on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. I'm Michael Kaiser alongside Lauren Tate. Uh, give us a story about Josh. I'm going to put you on the spot <laughs> <Okay>. here. <laughs> I Either have a from few. a player or from when he came back in at, uh, for law school that you could say on the air. We'll turn off the mics and get some better ones later. <laughs> what What's the story you can tell us that won't get you in Josh's office? Well, the first story, I think, relates to his leadership. And, you know, so his senior year, we were 5-5 five and five going into our final game, which was mm-hmm. at Northwestern. And it was, a, if I remember correctly, it was a pretty – cold dreary day and it always is it always (laughs) is that at that time of year um and we lost close and and that was 
to put us over the edge to go to a bowl game. So coming off the Micron PC game, you know, you want to maintain that momentum. So that was a that was a devastating loss and, and most devastating for those seniors. And I remember thinking, <clears throat> as all SIDs do, who am I going to get to talk to the media? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's who number one is not going to turn me down or roll their eyes. And, and I remember walking in the locker room and, and there was a lot of emotion. A lot of those guys were upset, visibly upset um, that they weren't, you know, the seniors were upset that that was the end. Some of the underclassmen were upset that they didn't deliver for the seniors. And the one of the only names that popped in my mind of people that I, I knew would come do post game, which was, if you remember, Lauren, in that little oh, yeah. corner behind yeah, the, the locker remember. room. And you, you basically shoved everybody in the small area and we tried to keep warm. Uh, was Josh, and I think Fred Wakefield was the other, um, maybe Jamil Cook. But, you know, those guys, I knew, I, I knew I just could look at Josh. And it's hard when you go in a locker room and say, hey, I need you to come talk to the mm-hmm. media. You know what you're doing to those guys. You know you're putting them in a position where they have to talk about things that are very uncomfortable and, and not fun at all. But Josh not only did it, but he he did it well. He knew that was his responsibility. Um, he knew that that was going to help set the tone for the next year. Kent Brown told me once that uh, Nate Sheehaus was another guy mm-hmm. after difficult situations that he Nate's one guy he knew he could grab mm-hmm. and that it would yeah. be fine. Yeah. And, yeah, you, I, and I, you, you find many. I mean, Jay Lehman was one of those. Oh, yeah. Britt Miller was one of those. We, we've had a lot over uh, the course of, of our time. that I mean, We've got we've had really good leaders and uh, Juice, uh, Juice Mitchell. You know, I could always get Kevin Mitchell mm-hmm. to do media. Justin Harrison, uh, those guys, Bobby Jackson. Um, Kevin Mitchell's back. Kevin Mitchell's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another funny. Do we need to take? Oh, a, no, no, okay, go ahead. Go say a funny story about Josh Whitman, um, and this has nothing related to leadership. But uh, right after Kent Brown's wife died, Robin, uh, breast cancer, a lot of us wanted to do relay for life for her, and I believe we came out the second hour. And Derek Burson, myself, Josh Whitman, and a couple other people started walking. And Jay Price came out and said, you guys going to walk the whole time? And, of course, Derek Burson says, yeah, we're walking the whole night. So Derek, Josh, and I walked the entire night, and it ended up being a marathon. We finished the the 12 or the 10 hours with 25 miles in on the the track. So they were doing the awards ceremony, and we said, we're at 25 miles. We might as well do the no 1.2. <laughs> yeah. so, so we stayed on the track after the 6 a.m. ended and actually walked. Slight, sometimes we jogged, but did a marathon at Relay for Life there at uh, that Centennial High School track. I don't think you could ever live with yourself if you got that close to a marathon. Exactly. <laughs> you had to finish we, were, we were quite sore yeah. the next day. Let's go to take a quick phone call here. Uh, J.D. and Matt Toon. Uh, thanks for calling, J.D. Thank you, and thanks, Cassie, for being on today and taking a, at least one question. Um, you mentioned something about game day atmosphere, and although my question may be insignificant based in the, the grand scheme of things, sometimes it's the little things that win you games and win you fans. And where I sit in football and basketball, the colonnades and traditions, I have never heard anyone yet say that they like the music that's played. They all hate the music that's played. And I understand you have to appeal to the students, and the, uh, but wouldn't you think once in a while you'd want to play some music for us oldies uh, <laughs> who basically foot the bill for these programs? 
JD, I don't know if I've ever been in a school where people didn't hate the music. Everyone seems to that that seems to be one of the most contentious uh, parts of game day. And and you're right, it is difficult to uh, to find a balance that makes all age groups um, happy with mm-hmm. the music. I would say that um, probably the you know the best atmosphere I've been a part of was. Um, a couple of the years I was at Auburn, uh, the 13 season was was quite magical there. And even this last year, we you know beating both Alabama and Georgia when they were number one. Um, and the music is is heavy on the the pop, the rap, um, because of the level of energy that it brings at key times, third downs, uh, for instance, things like that. So you do see, and and we actually got a letter from a Georgia fan that said. Thank you for playing the kind of music that actually brings us to, you know, the modern era and and helps attract student athletes. So you're right. There does need to be a balance. Um, And you've seen a lot of people go to DJs uh, because they have the ability to, I want to say, mix things, Mm -hmm. you know, take an older song and bring it, bring it, modernize it a little bit, give it an extra beat, uh, things like that. So, um I, I'm sorry that no one has said the music's good. That that is a key part. And then band, you know, the, having the band involved heavily. There's, you go to an NFL game, you're going to get a lot of canned music. Yeah. What makes the college game special and unique is are the marching bands and the, the pageantry that they bring to the to the stage. Well, so. I'm not saying play the Beach Boys and the Beatles <laughs> nonstop. The, the Temptations. But, but wouldn't I mean you know just just throw out. Throw us a crumb once a game, <laughs> uh, just to kind of let so we think that you're interested and happy that we're there. Because right now, like in basketball the other night, I know where the DJ stands. I could see him, and there was nothing there for us old folks. I guarantee you. Jay, did you want to send me a set list? <laughs> send send me right? a send me a playlist. Hey, you know what? You tell me to do it, and I will absolutely <laughs> do it. Do it. I do it. Yeah. Center, listen to your song. offering. Do it. I, yeah. I'd, I'd love to. I, I'm on your side, JD. Hey, feed, feedback is well, key. We've, we've got to hear from people. Um, and sometimes we hear from people something's not good, but we don't know what good means to you. So having some examples would be great. All right. Hey, I appreciate your time. Thanks, JD. Thanks, JD. Have a good weekend. You too. Yep. Well, we brought up the music. Should we bring up Chief Lonniewick? Oh, Lauren. Okay, come on, Lauren. Oh, I've been back a month, Lauren. Uh, we've only got... What well, the war chants? Talk about that, too, while we're at it. We've only got one text in so far, and you know what it's about? Uh, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. Yeah. That's, we'll get to that later. But, uh, well, Cassie, uh, great stuff. Uh, good to have you back in town. I wasn't. I didn't really... I was just kind of starting in town, so I don't work with yeah. you that much. Uh, I know Lauren and... And Steve Kelly's in the studio hanging out with us right now, too. Uh, those two guys spent a lot of time with you, and uh, so it's good to have you back and uh, looking forward to see you around. Good to be back. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. That's Cassie Arner, Associate Athletic Director at the University of Illinois. Stay with us. Some more Saturday sports talk, more Atlanta basketball and football conversation coming up next here on DWS.
Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. 23 degrees. Michael Kaiser, Lauren Tate with you. About another 35 minutes, uh, 32 minutes. Uh, Lauren's going to put you past 11 o'clock there. I don't want to do that. I know you've got a tight schedule every Saturday for you. i got a tight schedule. <laughs> well, there's a Big Ten, uh, big, big Big Ten basketball game today. East Lansing, number three Purdue, who will not be number three unless they win today. They'll fall after losing right. to Ohio State the other night. At Michigan State, three o'clock this afternoon. That's Ohio about Ohio State could come out of the uh, that game in first place. Yeah, either way, uh, the Buckeyes. Well, are, okay, but I mean clear cut. Yeah, they could be the only one with one loss if Purdue loses. That's true. Yeah, and uh, I don't know which way that game's going to go today. Matt Painter has some concerns. He talked about the game. Well, yeah, I mean it's at Michigan State. Everybody's got concerns. Well, not going not in there. not with today's game with his overall team and how they played of late. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, he's concerned with how they've just not been able to put teams away and a variety of things. Because this was a, it was a matter of time before this type of thing happened to us. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, was, he was expected to happen. Obviously, he didn't want it to happen the other night. He wanted to stay undefeated in Big Ten play. It would have been their 20th straight win overall. Uh, so now I, I'm still, every time Ohio State wins, I go, what's going on? Like, the, everybody had this team picked toward near the bottom of the Big Ten, at least the bottom half of the Big Ten. Shows what we know. Yeah, we know nothing. I mean, they might win the Big Ten. There's, it's just amazing. But K debates Diop is obviously the reason that's happening. I yeah. mean, he's Big Ten player of the year, and I don't think it's close. No, I think he's Big Ten player of the year, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, I, He's a terrific player. I hope he's gone. Yeah, I hope he's <laughs> gone, too. The, I, you know, I haven't uh, double-checked. Did he play enough games last year to redshirt? I mean, did he play – is he a redshirt junior now or is he a senior? We're, we're going to have to look that up. Yeah. I've got my man looking it up right now. I can see he's, he's after it. I don't think he played uh, enough games to impact that uh, to where he'd have to worry about. Uh, he is but a he's going to be gone in any case, right? Evan Condes sent me a note. Uh, he's a redshirt junior. Right. Uh, so he did not play very much last year, and yeah. so he's he played nine games. Yeah, that's not very many games, obviously. And he's, I think it I did like a third of the season is that is that the rule? Something like that there's. It was twenty percent forever, and and I've lost track. Yeah. Well, he's. Uh, I think it's changed. Regardless, he needs to go. <laughs> he just he needs to move on out of town. <laughs> that, yeah, that Ohio State will be an entirely different team next year. <laughs> I mean, they just will because they lose some key guys that. I don't know. I, they they might be a second division team next year. I said that this year, didn't I? Well, you did, and here but you I know. didn't. I didn't uh, understand the impact of Bates Diop. Well, I, I, we we didn't know how he was going to come back from the injury. We didn't know he was going to be this good. He was good before he got hurt. He was I a really thought, solid player. I just thought Paul Keels uh, kind of gave us the, in, the inside dope. He said they they knew back last year, and, but until he got hurt. They knew that he was going to be something special, mm -hmm. and they expected him to be something special this year. But we didn't – based on his sophomore season, which is the last time I really saw him play, uh, I didn't know he was going to be this good. No, no, and he's just, he's just been tremendous. And you take him off the team uh, another – you know, let's say he had another injury this year. Ohio State's – I mean, they're right with Illinois at the bottom of the Big Ten without him. They just don't have anything else. Uh, Jay Sean Tate's a really good player, but they don't have anybody else on that team that could carry them to very many wins without Bates Diop. And he's just a—it's uh, just like Wisconsin. It's Ethan Happen. Hope to God somebody else makes some threes. It's like I keep saying, this is not baseball. You don't have nine guys batting. You can give the ball to the same guy every time. Illinois almost <laughs> won doing that the other night. <laughs> well, yeah, and <laughs> so did Wisconsin. <laughs> every time they got the ball to Hap, 
I just swallowed deep because wow. I, didn't, I knew something good was going to happen for Wisconsin. I, 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 it was just painful to listen to Brian. Wherever he caught it, it didn't matter. He, he just caused a problem. I, I, the last few minutes of the game when Brian uh, was calling, he said Ethan Happ had the ball and then he passed it out for three. I'm going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> come on. Like it was just, it, they did it over and over again to, to finish that game. A few texts to get to in the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. It's 3515357. Weighing in on the music, this is Joan. I'm old and I really like the music choices. From my perspective, the band can be eliminated. Now, I'll never go down that road. The marching line I should will never be eliminated, first of all. And secondly, I'm a big fan of the marching line. I, Barry Hauser does a great job. And if you don't want, if you just watch the band and you don't watch Barry Hauser, watch how active that guy is. He is really he's 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 really fun to watch and, and does a great job with the marching in line. I, this is uh, Rich and Leroy. The DJ just plays lame stuff. Uh, Rich also texts in. There's no energy that the DJ plays. Who cares what NFL plays? And that's I think the, we have a DJ at the basketball games. We do not have a DJ at football games here at Illinois. So, Lauren, what music do you want to play? I just I just try to tune Bing it Crosby out. Bing Crosby or something? Or? I, they can play whatever they want. I just <laughs> tune it out. Dan, uh, from uh, Mike texting, uh, let's see, well, Mike texting asking about the a patch, which did not come through. He can't send picture messages to us. Uh, we do not get those on the on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Phone number 356-9397 and text line 351-5357. Well, some news yesterday, the last couple of days anyway, uh, Missouri freshman Michael Porter Jr. might practice next week. Yep. He'll be out for the season. Chance he could be around for the tournament. They're, they've picked up some wins of late. They're above 500 in the SEC. And, got a good uh, chance to get in. Yeah, they do. And, uh, and, thank and By the way, uh, Tillman's just having an awful season foul-wise. He's worse than, than uh, Black at his, at, his, at his worst. I mean, Tillman is constantly in mm-hmm. foul trouble. He really hurts him that way. He's a good player when he's in there, but he uh, fouls out game after game. Yeah, they, uh, the Missouri Tigers need Tillman to stay out of foul trouble. But Michael Porter Jr., who knows how he'll play after having back surgery, you don't know. But he was the – the number one player in the country, number one recruit in the country. Yeah, I read a story the other day, and, and I guess it was about nearly a week ago, about Tillman and his fouling, and and, and I guess Kunzel Martin just decided in this particular game just to leave him in the game and let him foul out, which he did, <laughs> instead of, you know, pulling him out every, uh, you know, after you get two fouls in the first half, you come out. After you get the third foul at the start of the second half, you come out. He just left him in and let him foul out. Yeah, well – you hope he figures it out. Maybe that maybe that's how he figures it out. You know, Laurent no. Black sometimes has figured out how to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, he's gotten he's way better than he was his freshman year. Uh, at times, he still struggles to commit fouls that aren't necessary, but he's still better than he was his freshman year. He is better. Yeah, it's 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 a growth thing. Let's go back to the phones, Tony and B Mint. How are you, Tony? Good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Hey, Lauren. This is Tony Henson. Yeah, I saw um, where you contacted <laughs> me the other day. I was going to get back to you. Okay. Well, uh, hearing that associate uh, athletic director, I just pretty much become unglued. What do they expect uh, as far as the game day atmosphere when they take away the war chant and under no compulsion whatsoever from the NCAA, just another tradition down the drain? And you know very well what I'm talking about, the the Native American group that we had uh, during homecoming. We pitched that uh, to them, and they said no. And not only did they say no to uh, being on the field, they gave us a lot of trouble uh, just even being in Grange Grove. And Josh Whitman was, you know, one of them that was, you know, giving us a lot of opposition on that. So I don't want to hear too much about, you know, this Josh Whitman love. Um, if we if we just did what, we're, what I've been 
uh, promoting on the field, you would have that place sold out every single game, and we would have our identity back. And it has nothing to do with the Chiefs. So, well, I don't, I don't think I, you're gonna sell at Memorial Stadium yeah, without winning games. That's got, not gonna you happen. You gotta win some games, I think, Tony. But, but well, it would certainly help. Yeah, it would help. I, I agree with that. I think it would help the fans because fans feel a lot of fans feel the same way you do. But I don't think that that carries over to the administration. Well, it would certainly build some uh, momentum, and uh, uh, that's why you know it's it's amazing that just ten years ago administration after administration actually fought to keep the actual chief. And now in the post-chief era, you have nothing from uh, chancellors except open hostility towards your own fan base. And uh, if our fans just continue uh, to take it, then they're just going to take more of our traditions away from us. So that's why there's a group of us that are, are fighting back. And I wish more people understood what was going on. But uh, What's hopefully anything, uh, like anything new you. developing along those lines? Uh, there is, but I can't, I can't say publicly what's going on, but, uh, okay. Oh, you're only talking to the three, to the th- it's just three of us right now. <laughs> no one else is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Uh, yeah, there's some very significant things going on and, uh, I, 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 I could tell you in, in private, Warren, but, uh, nothing publicly. And, uh, I think what we really need to do is educate our fan base about what fighting Illini means. You can't go to the dictionary and look it up. You have to go to the archives. And when you do, it's, it's blatant that it was an allusion to the, to the World War I veterans and to the Native Illini tribe. And I think what happened is we've gotten away from honoring our war veterans in any significant way in the way that they did in the, in the World War I era where they built Memorial Stadium. And we've kind of forgotten that. And then you have Chief Illini come on the stage and... You know, we've, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear it, but we've honored the chief and we've gotten away from honoring the native Illini tribe the way that it was originally intended. And with what I'm talking about, we would get back to having our war veterans on the field as part of a halftime tribute, no mascot. Fighting Illini is a serious identity, and a mascot is not a worthy represent, uh, representative of that serious identity. So you have to have something serious like a, a, a color guard. Uh, Native American uh, dance group, and it wouldn't violate any current NCA policy. And I will tell you this: uh, the tribe is very open to it. So, it is what it is. Okay, Tony, keep fighting the battle. All right, thanks, Tony. Have Thank a good weekend. You. Thanks. Yep. Well, let's get the the text message that you referenced, Lauren, out of the way. This is from Bill in San Jose. Lauren, I wish you and others would stop saying without reservation that the chief is never coming back. Given that the NCAA allows Florida State's chief, the NCAA would have no problem allowing the chief to return if the U of I can strike a deal with the Indians as Florida State has done. Do you know something that the rest of us do not know that makes you say the chief is never coming back? Why do you think the U of I will never strike a deal with the Indians? Thanks. Well, never is a long time, but I can tell you that the administration, including the chancellor, have no intention whatsoever to allow anything even close to the chief coming back. I know that. I mean, they're not going to allow it. It's it's just not going to happen. I mean, it's it. There's just I can't envision a situation to where because there is the opposition is loud. And it, it's a divisive issue. There, you can't question that it, it is a divisive issue. No matter, even though there's a lot of pro chief supporters, I grew up a huge chief fan. There are a lot of chief supporters out there, but the the crowd that's against the chief is very loud. It's, it's going to, in order to get anything close, you're going to have to have an authentic dance by authentic Native Americans. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a student. 
No, it's not going to be. And, and, it, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that. And uh, I, I just uh, I just see the resistance so strong. They've built up a, a real wall over there. You can't even get the first word in. If you even mention it, uh, they, you're shot down. It's just ju- to mention the Chief of Line, you're shot down. In terms of the major programs, uh, men's basketball and football, you need wins. And bringing, well, a, yeah. and bringing a divisive issue into the conversation when you have a lot of negative attention around the two programs right now due to lack of wins, it's just not a good idea. It's, it's just not going to go over well uh, with the fans, who, the people who don't want it. And I, you, just, you just need to move on from the situation. They're, they're a minority, but they're louder. Exactly. That's true. That's a good way to put it. Minority, but they're louder. And regardless, it's just something. It's just not going to happen. The university is not going to go there. Uh, it, the chief is just w- retired. Was a retired eleven years ago. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, more Illini basketball conversation uh, again. Uh, a game last time we didn't mention. Indiana blew out Minnesota, eighty to fifty-six, and Minnesota had some injuries, had some other situations happen to that team. But the Minnesota just not the team we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. It's another um, example of a guy. We, we talk about how coaches affect teams. When he had players, Patina was a good coach. He lost his players. He's not a good coach. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, <laughs> that's just where, that's where it is. It's all about the players. Yeah, it is. And uh, Brad Underwood was asked the other night, <laughs> how are you going to get help for Trent and LaRon? And we'll play that for, for you. Come up next. Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Recruiting in the long term. I mean, it, the game is about making shots, and you, you go 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 take any team in the NBA. Go who's number one? Villanova. They lost the other night, but go go look at them. They're minus a couple guys. They make shots. You got to make shots. Um, we won every place I've been because we make shots. You have to score, and you have to do it from multiple multiple spots. And uh, um, I've tried avoiding it. I've tried not putting pressure on. Them. I mean, at some point you gotta you gotta jump up and make shot, and when they're open, and uh, uh, we shot air ball layups tonight. Um, you know, g- goodness. I mean, you gotta make shots, and and that's the object of the game. And and sometimes it's frustrating when you when you get open, and um, we we've got to see that ball go in. We've proven we can be a good shooting team. The inconsistency is what drives me mad. It just drives me mad. I'm just I'm I'm so frustrated with with that. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS 1046. I'm Michael Kaiser alongside Lauren Tate. We have a lot of basketball conversation, a lot of football conversation on today's show, as well as a lot of tennis. And, of course, Cassie Arner was in studio as well. That was Brad Underwood. He was asked the other night uh, after the game about how do you get help for LaRon Black and Trent Frazier because – he doesn't have any right now for those two guys. Uh, and the box score the other night, y'all, everybody knows this by now, but 13 for LaRon Black. It was a very quiet 13. I, I thought a very quiet 13. 32, though, for Trent Frazier. 7 of 11 from downtown. Aaron Jordan had nine points uh, before those from the free throw line. Mark Smith only had the three in 14 minutes, three points. Mark Allstork had eight points. And Michael Finke had four, and the the rebounding numbers just stand out. Kipper, Kipper Nichols only played 15 minutes. That's another conversation, but yeah, um, he played two minutes the second half, which uh, and he was uh, I don't know why he spent so much time on the bench. Uh, there was a, a mention, whether it was accurate or not, I don't know uh, that he had some that he wasn't feeling well or had a uh, sinus had a sinus yeah sinus right. issues. So Brad I, told I, us. 
Excuse me? That's what Brad told us. I don't know. I, he said, yeah. he had, and Kipper told me he couldn't go. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, that. I I don't know if he said he couldn't go, but. but <laughs> well, he told Brad he couldn't go, is what Brad said, that Kipper said, I just can't do it. Now, whether that, I, I have no idea whether that was actual conversation or not, but what we just played for you was, uh, again, Brad was asked, how do you get help for LaRon and Trent in the immediate, in the short term and the long term? And his first word out of his mouth was recruiting. Mm-hmm. And that's obvious, but yeah. uh, the guy, Courtney Ramey, who probably six months ago, I wouldn't even thought Illinois was even talking to, um, really good player, really good player. They're trying to get a guard, Courtney Ramey. They're trying to get Tevin and Jones from out in California. And they still got to find a post player. That's probably going to be a grad transfer type situation. Um, but those are – you're rolling the dice on those. You don't know what you're going to get out of those. Well, I remember the old days, as I call them, when uh, <laughs> Lou Henson get in the car and drive around uh, in Chicago area or drive somewhere and, and, and look for players. Now, Underwood has been in, – in recent weeks, he's been to California, the East Coast, and Florida, all on separate trips, obviously not for his health. No. I mean, and he doesn't have an awful lot of time to do this because he's practicing most days, but he's got a, the days off when he's not practicing. He's, he's out recruiting. And the reason he's recruiting is, he, let's face it, we, Illinois can't get out of this problem they're in with the players that are on the team right now or the players that will, will be returning next year without Allstork, of course, who's the only one that is a senior. I mean, he's, he's determined to, to upgrade this uh, roster. He does have the sumo coming in, mm-hmm. and I'm really interested to see how he will fit based on the style of play that he has. He's a, he's a breakdown dribbler, much like uh, much like Fraser, but maybe not with Fraser's accuracy from the three point line. We'll see. Courtney Ramey ranked 40th in the country. It's uh, also kind of a point guard slash combo guard can can really play number one in the state of Missouri. Of course, Missouri's trying to get him as is Villanova and others. Um, it's going to well, be- he decommitted from Louisville. Yeah, he he committed. He's a good player, and and he's at Webster Groves, and they've been down to they've, they're watching him every game now. I yep. guess and pretty much every game, and they're they're on him hard. They want him bad. I will take a lineup of Trent Frazier, Io Desumu, and Courtney Ramey, and whoever else you want to throw out there <laughs> any day of the week. Well, you better get some help around the the rim. I'm with you defensively. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, and I think Oz, I, Isaac Haas, I think he's gone after this year probably. I think he's a senior, right? I don't, yes. I don't have the roster in front of me, but uh, I'm pretty you got sure. got another good one coming. Harms is going to be a good player. jeez. Oh, it's, it's like a factory over he's there. A better, he's a better shot blocker than than Haas. It's like a factory over there. Well, I uh, wanted to play this uh, these highlights for you. I mean, uh, Trent Frazier, just a uh, credible performance the other night, uh, 32 points. It's had a good run uh, for, for some time now. Has Trent Frazier really got things going? Uh, he's averaging you know, 12.5 points a game on the season. But Trent Frazier uh, just really got going and carried Illinois all night long and nearly got them to within a chance of winning that game. Here's a lob to Kipper. Out top, Frazier for three. Got it. Trent Frazier with a three with six seconds for the half. Backdoor cut, intercepted by Lucas. Took it away from Ford on the break. Tijon, right corner, Frazier for three. Got it! And the Illini lead. 39-38, Frazier from the right corner. Counting it down, shoots a three. Got it! Oh, Trent Frazier! We got our own magic man out there, don't we? Frazier down the lane with a left hand and knifes his way through, lays it in like a knife through soft butter. 
And the Badgers lead us three again, 49-46. Fraser to the other end. Left open for three. Got another one, Trent Fraser. He's ripping off some more points. Whoops it up to the crowd as he scrambles back defensively. He's up to 21. Smith dribbles on the right wing with seven. Out to Fraser. All looking at Trent. Four, three. Shoots a 25-foot throw. And he buried another one. <laughs> and Stop it. Prince does a little dance on his way to the other end. Here's Frazier, a tougher three at the other end. Buries it from the top of the key. And Frazier won't let the Illini die. They told me to keep shooting the ball. Um, obviously, I caught a rhythm tonight, um, and I, I, had a, I had a flow going. Um, but um, it's my teammates, um, the upperclassmen, do an unbelievable job of telling me to keep playing and playing my game. And um, that's what I do, and I, I just help my team try to get a win. But um, obviously, tonight we came up short, but um, tomorrow we're going to get better. We're just shooting ourselves in the foot, you know, um, down the stretch. We didn't really get any stops. So um, he talked a lot about defense. We really didn't play um, any defense tonight. And um, obviously, defense wins games, so um, that's where we, where we struggled. Trent Frazier, the other night against Wisconsin, got uh, Illinois within four late a couple times, tied the game with threes a couple times. Uh, he's had four games of at least 20 points this season after a really slow start. Also had two games at 19 points, averaging 12.5 points a game. And he's just really come on after, a, again, a very slow start from three-point range to, to begin the year. And uh, he's got his confidence now, and he's going to take the shot from anywhere on the floor. Yeah, and and coaches don't want to play that way. They just don't want to sit down on the bench and say, "Give the ball to Fraser and let him do what he wants." Get no. out of his way. That's that's the basic strategy. Get out of his way, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that won't w- work in the long run. But in that case, I I don't think he had any choice. And hitting seven out of eleven uh, from the three, uh, Fraser kept Illinois in the game until finally. Uh, just a succession of, of lay-ins. And I, I counted, with six and a half minutes to go, I counted 16 baskets within six feet for Wisconsin. 16 yeah. baskets. 14 of them oh. were dunks and lay-ins. Two of them were short hooks by Hap. You give me a migraine, Lauren. Yeah, well, oh. I mean, you shouldn't, all season. you shouldn't expect to win. No, it's been going I mean, at The same thing happened at Wisconsin. They had a lineup drill, you know, a layup drill. And so if you don't get protection for the defensive protection for the basket, I don't know if I don't know if you can win. Well, just a few minutes left in today's show. We'll come back. A few of your text messages you want to get to as well. Again, the uh, line I played tomorrow night at six o'clock against Penn State here at State Farm Center. Fighting a lot on game day gets underway at four thirty. Stay with us. This is Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. <laughs> Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Michael Kaiser, Lauren Tate with you for just a few more minutes on today's show. A couple of text messages want to get to, trying to check on the Illini golf score as well, and that website still does not work. Uh, Illini are still playing in the Big Ten match play. Playing Northwestern right now. Yeah, they had a fog delay this morning that delayed things as well, so things have not gone uh, as, as planned, according to plan, uh, in match play today. Well, let's get uh, a couple of text messages in the castle and heating and cooling text line. Ken and Champagne, I'm glad you brought this up because it's something that, you know, I didn't think about this morning, but it's been driving me crazy. Uh, something not talked about, this in the castle heating and cooling text line, but could make a difference is our missed free throws, and that's correct. There have been several games where Illinois has struggled with free throws down the stretch. The other night didn't really factor into the game, 18-24. to 24. 
Uh, but the Illini have missed some free throws. They did at Ohio State and uh, really missed some really important free throws against the Buckeyes on Sunday in Columbus. It could have helped push that lead out and uh, given them a chance to win to win that game. Well, everybody misses free throws. Illinois shooting 73% for the year. Their opponents were shooting 72. Yeah. And that's about where most teams are in the 70s. If you hit 80, you're really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're doing really well. Uh, on the question of music, perhaps we could at least not drown out the band, including the drum line with the board. We need better coordination. Uh, 217 Texter on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. The Illini defense is playing like hockey, but without a goalie. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much at the rim. That's a, that's great. Can I steal that? Whoever that is that texted <laughs> me, I might steal that. hope you don't mind. I'll use it on the show. Or the, soccer. Or soccer. Hockey or, hockey or soccer without a goalie. That's how the Illinois interior defense has looked uh, this season. It's been a layup line against a lot of different teams, uh, unfortunately. Uh, 785 Texter text in, having a true Native American involved is an interesting concept. What if you provide a scholarship each year to a member of the Sioux Tribe from South Dakota and involve them in how they want to represent culture? It's not going to change, guys. I mean, it's... <laughs> I, I don't know if you're trying to get where the chief come back or, comes back or not. This, this situation is not going to change. Uh, I'm really happy with Underwood's style of play, but am anxious to work in some more athletic bigs. Anything new on the recruiting front, or can you provide an update in the coming weeks? Well, it's something we're watching uh, as we as we move around here, and uh, we're just waiting um, for them. April is when they could sign again. Yeah, I don't know a thing. No. I don't. I, I just know they're they're gonna there's going to be uh, what. Six, seven, eight hundred players transfer when yeah. the season's over. Now, a lot of those guys won't be eligible next year unless they pass that rule in June. Everything is kind of held in abeyance right now because we don't know what's going to happen with the rules, the NCAA yeah. rules. They may allow every team that has a change, a coaching change, <laughs> I've got the hiccups all yeah. of a sudden, they, they, they may allow that player to transfer, all those players to transfer on a team that has. A coaching change. If that happens, uh, there'll be any number of available players. Yep. Thanks to Lovey Smith for his time this week, Brad Dancer and Cassie Arner. Be sure to get over to the uh, Hub Hall tomorrow, Isaiah Martinez's final match of his career, home match here at Illinois. Have a great weekend, everybody.